Uh, I can hear y'all a lot better when I don't have the ears in and all the carrying on. If you don't know, we have a metronome in our head so that we don't like totally fall apart. I used to call the metronome the cowbell player that was always off. You know, music people will get that one. Um, it's a delight to be with you this morning. Um, you know, it's kind of, uh, you got a lot of hype from last week, Jose told you to be here and um, for, for a powerful message, and so <laughs> I'm going to call someone else up for that. <laughs> um, and then also something that's important to the life and the body of Cypress Creek Church, and so we'll just get that out of the way right from the jump so you don't have to worry. Um, the, the big announcement is that after uh, nine years as your worship pastor, the time has come for me. <laughs> to move to the next chapter. And I leave this particular post with a full heart of gratitude and excitement for what is to come here at Cypress Creek Church. So there it is. There's no problems. I'm not irritated with anybody. Uh, uh, you know, Jose and I are still friends, mostly, right? That's still happening. Okay, that's good. Um, and, you know, I thought about just making a list of grievances, um, you know, and just reading that off, and putting some names on there, you know. Uh, I thought about doing that, but the problem with doing that is that I, I, I couldn't make a list because <laughs> I don't have any grievances, I love you, and <laughs> I, I'm not going anywhere. I'm still going to be in, in Wembley, and from, from time to time, you'll see me on stage. I, just, I, I get to put blackout dates in the planning center now, so that they can say, hey, can you be here? I'll be like, mm, nah, I'm going to dip, you know? <laughs> on the contrary, this, is, this has been on my heart for a little bit, and I've been discussing with the with the pastoral team about it. Um, so it's been on my heart for a while. I could, uh, I could do this morning, uh, you know, this big exegetical message um, and try to be profound and have a bunch of scripture references and stuff. I can, I can do that um, when called upon. Uh, but I, today, I just want to remember, and specifically... Man, I thought this would be easy to, easier to do the second time. It's not. Specifically, I want to remember what you, Cypress Creek Church, have done. For me, you know, I came here 25 years ago. Uh, 1997, I came to what is Southwest Texas State. Now it's... Texas State University, eat them up cats, rare, <laughs> whatever. The, the, the least school spirit in sports of any school in the history <laughs> is terrible. We love the school, we love the town, but sports, yeah, I'm not going. You know? it's, um, but I came and I walked into a meeting of students called Crosstalk. And I walked in there and they didn't have a drummer on stage and they had worship going on. And, you know, without a drummer, it's just boring. And so 
I was a drummer. Y'all may not know that about me, but I'm a drummer by trade, as it were. Um, and I walked in and said, hey, I can do that. And so I walked up there and said, hey, I want to play drums with you guys. And they're like, who are you? No. Um, that's not true. They didn't say that. But they weren't exactly forthcoming with their rehearsal location. But uh, I showed up anyway and started playing drums with the Crosstalk crew. And of course, that's connected with Cypress Creek Church. And so that's how I was connected with Cypress Creek Church originally. And I came here with a firm foundation, a firm foundation that was given me by my parents who showed me who Jesus was and what following Jesus was about. They taught me to read the word. I, I just got to baptize my son a couple of weeks ago, and um, I got to say to him the same words that my father said to me when I was baptized. And that, that foundation I brought with me, and when I hear these, these hymns that we play, the church that I grew up in was a traditional style church, independent and we sang the hymns, and it was alive in worship. Um, something that, that uh, some of us have not been able to experience in our lives, but I have, and I'm thankful. And I can still hear in that foundation, when I think about the hymns, I can hear that church singing my dad's favorite hymn. Come to the garden. Y'all know that one? I come to the garden alone. While the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses and he walks with me and he talks with me. He tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. And that's pretty much it. I don't have anything else to say. But I came, uh, I came here with a foundation and my 17-year-old self um, had knowledge of the word and the understanding of, uh, uh, of what it meant to have purpose in my life. But I was void of some things. Actually, when I came, I was testing out churches. Uh, pastor Rob, our founding pastor, reminded me of this over the past couple of weeks that when I first came, I was with a friend of mine that was from the same hometown, and we were testing out churches uh, and in, trying to get interviews with the pastors to make sure that they had everything, you know, <laughs> where it needed to be. And um, I had a little grading system. I kind of kept it to myself. Uh, I had a meeting with several churches and several pastors. I had a meeting with Pastor Rob at the Jack in the Box there in uh, San Marcos downtown by the university because it was walking distance from the dorm. And uh, Cypress Creek Church, uh, you know, out of 100 points, scored an 86. And uh, it wasn't the highest score. Uh, it wasn't the lowest score. And so I didn't, uh, I didn't come here. <laughs> Went to a different church. 
And, uh, but after a couple of months of that, I ended up back at Cypress Creek Church. Um, obviously through the relationships that I had at Crosstalk and whatnot. But what I want to do is, I, I, I want to thank you for who you are as Cypress Creek Church. And again, just to reiterate, just to ad nauseum, you know, we could go through a bunch of scriptures and do the exegetical thing, which, by the way, thank you so much, Jose, for what you've been doing over the past couple of years or whatever, preaching straight from the word and letting the word tell us how to live. Man, what a great thing our pastor is doing for us. Amen. 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 I could do that too. But I'm not going to do that this morning. It's going to be a little bit more anecdotal. Y'all okay with that? Okay. But I do want to thank you because there's a couple of things that I kind of came up with, and these are in my own words, but there, there is three things that, that, that you have taught me, three, three things that you have added to that firm foundation. As we know, if you know anything about construction, a foundation is great, but if you don't put anything on top of it, what are you doing? And so this church has put on top of that foundation what I needed to build a life that follows Jesus. And I'm thankful for that. My testimony is not one of wandering and running from God. My testimony is one that proves that when that you train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he'll not depart. That's my testimony. This stuff works. God is good. He's real. It's not a gimmick. He's, some, he's someone worth following. And we can believe in him wholeheartedly. That's my testimony. And you guys have helped me get there and understand what that really means in practical life. And so there's three things that I want to talk about. And this is a question that I learned to ask myself as a result of me being intersected with this church body. And the first question is, what is one thing that I know right now that's not obedient to Jesus that I can change right now? And if you've spent any time sitting across the table with me at one of the local cafes in here in San Marcos or at the coffee shop, I've probably asked you that question. And as a result of that question, I want to go over a few things that you helped me change that needed to be obedient to Christ. And one was my judgment that made me believe I could give a score to a church. Not long after coming to Cypress Creek Church, Pastor Rob preached a message about two trees, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life is Jesus, the one who allows us to be grafted into the true vine and receive life and live in a life-giving um, um, communion with God. The tree of knowledge of good and evil is the black and white. It's the good and the evil. It's the, the cut and dry. And let me tell you something. I had a good theological construct when I showed up around here, and I was right. And you know what? Factually, I was right, and I stand by it. <laughs> but what I learned is this. 
in living in one of the two trees. You can be right. We can live in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but we can be dead right. That's where we're delivering death to everybody around us. <laughs> because isn't that what that tree did? It delivered death. And that's where I lived. But as a result of this body's nurturing, I was taught how to live in the tree of life. Thank you. Thank you. You equipped me to love people and to care about others before myself in the way of Philippians chapter 2. You taught me in practice what I'd learned as a young man with a song. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In this life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You taught me how to live that out. Thank you. The second thing is, and, and if you've been around me in the worship culture for any period of time, you're probably tired of hearing me say this because I say it all the time and it's certainly obnoxious to you. But it is important who you are, not just what you do. It's important who we are, not just what we do. We could find thousands upon thousands of people. We live in central Texas and Austin is just up the way. We could find thousands of people to stand right here and do Christian karaoke and probably do a better version of it than I do. There's tons, but who cares? Because that's not the point. The point is, have we gone into the garden alone? If there's no character, there's no power. I can't lead anybody to a place that I've never been. And you taught me that. Thank you. You empowered me in my giftings. You know, there's been a lot of, there's been, I don't know, about a half dozen or more worship leaders here over the tenure of this church. And I don't know if y'all remember Galen Latimer. Y'all remember him? Galen's the first one who put me up front right over here. And I sang a Delirious song. Y'all remember Delirious from the 90s, early 2000s? Right over here. And I was empowered. You guys watched me fall in love and get married to my wonderful bride, Scarlett, who's our children's pastor. She's not going anywhere, thank God. She's going to still be the children's pastor. And have kids and start to raise a family. They're like now a thousand years old, and one of them is driving, and everybody knows everything, and I don't know anything anymore. They're a delight and they're following Jesus because of you. Thank you. You, there was a time in my life, some of you know about it, but not all of you do, where I was betrayed deeply by some close friends. And you loved me through that. You were there to encourage me and be close to me. Thank you. There was another time in my life that, again, some of you know about, but not everybody does, 
where I was very ill and close to death several times. And you cared for me and loved me. You cared for my family when I couldn't. Thank you. I had to have a kidney transplant. One of the members of this church gave me a kidney. I'm quite in the most literal sense alive today because of you. Thank you. And then the third thing that I want to talk about today is something that I learned as a result of interacting with the leadership of this church and being in community groups and being part of the worship team and having the opportunity to be part of missions and things like that that go on at Cypress Creek Church. And that's this one question. Who's next? Who's next? Who are we raising up to come and fill our shoes? Not fill our shoes, but to step into our spot and follow Jesus to take whatever we did to the next level, to the next chapter of what God has for the church, for the community group, for the family, for whatever the case is. Who's next? Who are we raising up? I was preparing for this message this week, and I've thrown out about eight different ideas and partial messages about what to speak today. And as I was preparing this morning, I ran across a letter that I had written to this church. And I wrote this letter about three years ago or so. And this letter is about who's next. It's about this time in my life. It was written for this day, and I had completely forgotten about it. And I found it this morning just perusing on my computer, wondering if I was ever going to get something together to speak about. Because, you know, I've known about this for a while. You know what I mean? So I've been working on it. And so I thank God that I found this letter, and I want to read it to you. And these will be kind of my last remarks on the message. I want to I read this letter to you. And this letter, as I read it, this is intended to be an encouragement and, and thankfulness for what you have done and who you have been. The things that I write in here, you're doing those things. These are meant as an encouragement and an exhortation to continue on in doing what is good. To continue on in following after the vision that God has. To follow after the calling that God has on each one of us. Which whether we're a pastor or not a pastor or a community group leader or not a community group leader. You may have heard me say before that our calling is the same. It's to know Jesus and to make him known. Amen. It doesn't matter what our station is in life. That is our calling. And so this letter is an encouragement to you, an encouragement and gratefulness and an exhortation to continue on in those things. Will you receive it this morning? Well, then I'm going to read it. <sighs> to the people, pastors, and ministry leaders of Cypress Creek Church and the coming generations, both imminent and not yet born. Whether officially ordained, paid or not paid, a lay leader, bivocational or otherwise, I give you greetings in the name of the Lord. I am encouraged and excited about your days to come, the things you will accomplish in the service of the gospel, and the relationships that you will encounter. 
Grace and peace to you all in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, whose work of reconciliation on the cross and victory over death provide for us our only hope. Do not grow weary in the work of administering the gospel as is the practice of some. Let us remember the joy that is inherent in God's inclusion of us as laborers in the harvest. As we daily press on for the high calling of Jesus, as Paul exhorts us to, it should be a regular occurrence for us to find joy in the journey. Without joy, joy, of course, not necessarily being constant happiness, but the joy of the knowledge of Jesus and our continued intimacy with him. Our lives can sometimes feel like a dirge. My friends, we are not called to schlub through our calling as if it were a burden after all. Jesus tells us in Matthew that his burden is easy and his yoke is light. Amen. When we take this perspective, it doesn't solve the hardships that we may encounter as we love God and as we love people, but it will give us an anchor point to keep us focused on the main thing, that being the father's business, which is the reconciliation of people back to him. When we are focused on that, we can live in continually reconciled joy as we bear with one another in the high calling of our daily lives. Furthermore, we can then put our focus not on menial matters of religious distraction, but instead on the harvest of souls that God is drawing to himself. When we focus on the harvest, we can then begin to understand what I believe to be the linchpin in the construct of our calling, and that is this question, who's next? We should consistently, fervently, and unashamedly pursue whoever is coming next to lead the church and to propagate the gospel. As ministers of the gospel, we, we must live in the reality that the leaders of the harvest are in the harvest. As a young man struggling with understanding about what my actual call to ministry would entail, I remember as young as 13 years old, I was pursuing the deep things of God through fervent Bible study and heavy reading. By the time I made it through high school and into college, I was carrying a copy of Strong's Exhaustive Concordance around with me at all times, just in case I needed it. I did not need it. <laughs> My knowledge was secure, deep, and it was right. However, love was void from my practice. Though I loved people fervently and had no intention of, to hurt anyone, my rightness and the air of smug, unannounced judgment followed me as I hurt many people. Though it was inadvertent, my lack of pursuing joy and my inwardly focused ministry shut out those around me and kept me from working the harvest. Surely the study of the word and the reading of uh, Christian nonfiction books gave me some knowledge, but it was divorced from the intimacy of Christ in me and the call toward the harvest that all of us have. I've discovered over my ministry years that there is a fail-safe fail way to go deep in the things of the Lord. There is Actually, and absolutely, in my opinion, ironclad way to search and know as much as is possible the depths of wisdom and understanding that we all hope for. Is it in deep theological study? Is it in robust intellectual discourse? 
Is it in the expert administration of ministry tasks? Is it in committed service to the church? Although these things have merit and are part of a robust pursuit of Jesus, they are neither the crux of our calling nor the lifeblood of our joy. Instead, the treasures of wisdom and the deep knowing of the things of God will be found in our pursuit of who is next in the work of the gospel. Do you want to know what the Bible says? Do you want to intersect people's lives for the sake of their reconciliation? Then I exhort you in the name of Jesus to enter into the work of who's next. Grab your Bible and your testimony and go into our community. Find someone that doesn't know Jesus yet and begin reading the Bible with them. I didn't say preach at them. I said read the Bible with them. If we want to learn and know the heart of God for people through his word, reading the Bible with someone who doesn't know Jesus will cause us to read closely, pray intensely, and love deeply. This is the true work of the royal priesthood, which you are the royal priesthood. As it engages us in finding who is next. When I say who's next, let me be clear what I mean. We should be working to replace ourselves. We should be looking around in our churches and in the harvest for those that would come and fill our shoes. We betray our calling when we allow the extent of our ministry to be confined to the walls of this church, the comfort of our study, or the practical working of church affairs. Somewhere along the way, we have assumed that the practical work of ministry is somehow a substitute for our personal call to the harvest. Just a reminder, these are things that you have done well, and I'm reading them back to you as an encouragement in thankfulness for what it has meant in my life. The Great Commission is not a collective calling. It is a personal charge. It is a lie that our serving and preaching and encouragement and friendship in the context solely of ministry position is a substitute for our personal calling to make disciples. If I preach with eloquence and become the most famous of itinerant speakers, yet I do not personally share the gospel in love with my neighbors, I've missed my charge to go. If we grow our church to thousands through administrative and organizational genius, but do not spend time personally loving, praying with, at administering the gospel to individuals, we have misunderstood the charge of the royal priesthood. Therefore, I encourage us all to take up the cause of the gospel through a life that is primarily concerned with honoring and obeying God by truly making disciples, which you do. You do that. Thank you. When I say make disciples, I'm not talking about managing Christians who have transferred to our church because they left another one, even though the fellowship of believers is a life-giving gift from God, which it is, and you are a gift. Thank you. Instead, I mean connecting personally with not yet believers, presenting them with the gospel according to the Spirit's prompting, and walking alongside as God, through the completed work of Jesus, empowers them through his Holy Spirit to do the same. Yes, truly being concerned with who's next. We must reject the notion that performing a set of tasks is the extent of our calling as followers of Jesus. 
because that approach will render the same result that it always has, dead religion, void of the power to save. Let us also bear with one another as we go about the work of raising others up as there are many today, and no doubt there will be more in days to come who believe that somehow they have a new or different interpretation of what the word says. Let us not be caught in the trappings of a belief that God's word changes. The Bible says one thing in each of its passages, and it's discoverable. Though it may speak differently to each of us, as our circumstances change, there is one message, one word, and one truth immutable. Amen? Amen? Amen. A belief that our humanity is somehow powerful enough to circumvent or overcome the plan of God to deliver a voracious and infallible word is a belief in a God whose omnipotence is incomplete. The one true God is transcendent over all things and does not keep company with any sort of hindrance. Let us together continue to thank God for the leadership of Cypress Creek Church and their holding fast to the truth of the word. Amen. Thank you. They do. We do. Amen. What a blessing it is. With the word as our anchor in instruction, we can confidently live the truth through loving those whom society and the religious have deemed untouchable. Yes, even so, we can, as Jesus did, look for and empower whoever is next as we echo his charge to us in the Great Commission. And so likewise, I say to you, go, make disciples. Always have your speech seasoned with salt as you go about your day-to-day work. Do not grow weary in doing what is good, but instead take the joy of the Lord as your strength out into our community as you continually work the harvest. If someone is not rooted in a local church and or has not met Jesus yet, you as the royal priesthood are their pastor. And as we take this perspective, we will naturally find ourselves receiving and loving a continual harvest of souls those who are following Jesus anew, and those being sent out into the work of ministry. May it be true of you and me that we continually walk in the humility of the realization that we are in desperate need of Jesus to save us. And as we go together, let us look forward toward the future. May you and I all be ever encouraged to continue on in the work of the gospel. It is with great affection. and excitement that I look forward to the incredible works of salvation that will continue to be done through the Spirit of God at work in and through Cypress Creek Church in this current generation and those coming after us. Be joyful, therefore, in all occasions, kind in all conversations, and powerful in faith as we continue in the good works set before us in the name of Jesus. And now... I ask you to consider in your own life, who's next? Who's next? I love you, Cypress Creek Church. With a deep and lasting care, you are my family, and I look forward to what is in store for us all, all for the gospel, Ben. 
That's all. I'm done yelling. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the wonderful blessing that you are and the incredible work that you've done in us, bringing us back to you and reconciling us from our sin and the bondage of it. Thank you for bringing us back into right standing. Thank you, God, for this church, for the leaders in this church. And I ask that you would continue to bless and honor and raise up and bring new life into this church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.